Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Uh, last week, he concluded a series on Imagine More. Great series. We're in there for two months. Um, today, I'm going to do a standalone message called Come Out of Hiding. Now, I'm sure I wasn't the only kid that did this growing up where I would go to bed, put my sheets on, but it wasn't nighttime. It wasn't any of those times. Maybe I was, maybe I thought I was in trouble. Maybe I was guilty about something, but I'd put my covers on because I wanted to pretend like I was sleeping. And I feel like for some of us today, God's going to help us to come out of hiding today. Where it says in Ephesians chapter 5, Oh, wake up, sleeper. The light is here. Christ will give you light. I feel like for some of us, God wants to, us to come out of hiding today. And not out of a hide-and-seek game, but into freedom that he has in Christ. So why don't you pray with me? And we'll jump in. Jesus, thank you so much for what you are doing, what you are speaking, God. You are a God of freedom. And Lord, your word says that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So Lord, I just speak freedom, God, over our church, Lord. And I thank you, God, that your word never comes back void. We're expectant and we're ready. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so, you know, one of my oldest daughters, uh, her name is uh, Sayla. You know, I can't take credit for this. Um, when I say as a kid, I even mean now, I have terrible balance. Um, if you're in a game, if you're in, if you're in an activity or exercise, I'm not your guy for balance at all, okay? This girl, you know, like three or four years old, whatever, well, maybe three years old, got her first, uh, first scooter. And again, I know I'm being a classic dad right now, but I mean it. She crushed it, like quickly. She caught it. Incredible. But then as she got older, you know, she kind of outgrew her scooter. So, you know, how to get her more of a big girl scooter, one of those electric scooters, right? Press that button. It helps her to zoom. And I don't know what happened, but she just couldn't figure it out. And so I would teach her. i drive her a little bit. I would even actually get on the scooter with her. This is how you do it. Let's do this. Poor girl. She just didn't want to do it, couldn't figure it out. Until one day, after trying and trying and trying, there was a moment where she caught her stride, caught her balance, and she loved it. And it wasn't just this one moment. It just kind of happened out of nowhere. She caught it, and she experienced it. And it got me thinking about some areas of a relationship with the Lord where there's probably some things that you've heard about God, you've been taught about God, maybe even someone's actually coached you in God, but you're still having a hard time experiencing it for yourself. Yeah. Were you here in church, maybe here like, in your small group, maybe you got invited here today, and they, you know, they told you, man, in Jesus there's peace. There's joy. Like when you meet Jesus, your life will have purpose. And can I tell you, yes and amen to all those things. But I think we can agree there are some things that we've been taught, but we're just not, exper we're just not experiencing it right now. For some of us, oh yeah, th there are some things that we've been taught about God, but we're not experiencing. And some of those things, we're, we're, we've been praying for peace, but we're actually more confused than what we were. Where it's like, man, I want peace. I really want to take that next step, but I am just confused. For some of us, maybe we've been praying for joy, not even just like a temporary happiness, but, but a joy that comes from God, 
but we're just frustrated. The big things, the little things, I mean, it doesn't take much, but it just gets under your nerves. For some of us, we've been praying just for, for purpose and direction, but if we're being really honest, there's just a lot of unbelief right now. We're just not sure. Things are kind of shaky right now, and we're, we're just in a tough spot. Maybe for some of us, maybe we're not even saying, I need freedom, but you're just like, dude, I got to kick this to the curb. I am not in a good place. I feel restricted. And instead of experiencing freedom, there's just been some destructive habits where it's like, I am self-destructing. It's almost like I'm watching a movie right now, and I'm the character that's going downhill, but I can't stop it. It's just, it's just not going well. I want to take us, if I can, to Ephesians chapter 1. You guys can turn your Bibles if you want. Ephesians chapter 1. And the Apostle Paul, he takes the first 10, 12 verses, and he's just giving us some good theology. And if you notice something about Paul, a lot in his letters, before he'll tell us what to do, he'll tell us who God is first. Before he'll tell us what, man, this is a good thing to do, be patient, be kind, he'll tell us who he is, and then he'll tell us who we are in Jesus. And here's why. Because God's about the heart. Before he, he doesn't want to just change our behavior, but he starts with the heart. So Paul's telling us in Ephesians chapter 1, guys, here's what God has done. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're chosen in Christ. You're, you're a child of God. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, which, a, which is a deposit that you belong to him forever. So he's just teaching them good theology and things they need to know. But we pick up in chapter 1, verse 16, where, it's, where Paul says this. I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. That word insight, other translations say the word revelation. The things that have been hidden from you have been made known. That before you couldn't see, but now you can see right now. And if you really think about this text, it's kind of perplexing. It's almost like, you know when someone's telling you something over and over again? And you're like, why are you telling me this? They're telling you because they're trying to point something out to you. And Paul's doing that same thing, where I'm giving you a lot of information right now. You're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're chosen, you're all these things. But what I'm still praying for is for spiritual wisdom and insight. Why? That you might grow in your knowledge of God. What Paul is praying is that we would go from a place of learning about God to a place of revelation. That we wouldn't just stay stuck with things about God, facts, and even understanding, but it would move to a place of personal revelation about God. Now, I am not downplaying knowledge at all. There are things that we need to know. We need to know there are not many ways to the Father. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. When we think about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we believe in those things. So knowledge is good, but it's almost as if Paul would say knowledge is good, but you can't stay there. You've got to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit that will illuminate and make these things come alive. And can I tell you, revelation is not a spooky feeling. Revelation isn't this like, you know, um, experience or feeling you have. Just because you don't have tears does not mean Jesus is not in it. He moves through emotions, but he doesn't have to use emotions. 
What Paul was saying is, is that I want you to have wisdom and insight to what? To grow in your knowledge of God. That word knowledge, it means experience. It means intimate knowledge. My, my beautiful wife is sitting right there who's 26 weeks pregnant. Let's go. And uh, there are some things that you know about her. You, you see that she has uh, blonde hair. She hates this right now, by the way. Blonde hair, blue eyes. But there are some things that only I know as her husband that is personal, that I know about her. And that's the type of language that Paul was using is that God wants to take the things that you know about him that are true, that are real, that are in the Bible, and he wants to illuminate them to you. He wants you to go from information to revelation. I would say it this way, is that the Holy Spirit wants to give us revelation to personally apply the grace we've received in Christ. We already have it in Jesus. We've been forgiven, redeemed, all of these things. But we need the Holy Spirit to teach us how to personally apply these areas in our lives. I don't think any of you would say, oh, I don't want any revelation today. I'm cool. I don't think any of us would say, oh, I don't want to really know God in a deeper, more intimate way. But I think a lot of us would say, but I can't get there. I don't know how. I've, you might even say, I feel restricted today. You know, a couple years ago, my neck was just messed up. Like, it just, I, so much that when I would drive, I couldn't really turn this way, which I would think it would be unsafe when you're trying to be a safe driver. Um, and I got recommendations to go to the chiropractor, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I just don't, I'm not feeling that. Seems scary. You know, it probably didn't help when I would YouTube, like, chiropractors, and you would see next, I would, like, spin 30 times. I was like an exorcism. By the way, that's not an exorcism. By the way, I shouldn't have said that, but that's not an exorcism. But it, it was like, wow, like I don't, I don't need the spin thing for 30 times. So I finally, I finally went and he did the kind of the spin thing on me and it worked. Like literally after one time, my range of motion went from like 30% to like 75 in one, in one twist. And I had this thought, I've been living restricted for one full year, at least, and I didn't have to. That I could have been free sooner. I could have been free quicker, and I really didn't have to do anything. I just had to go and see the right person for it. I think a lot of times when it comes to things that we're not experiencing, there's many variables. So this is not a silver bullet method right now, but I'm wondering if some of the things that we're not experiencing in God isn't because God want, doesn't want to give it to us, but maybe there's restriction in our hearts. Maybe, maybe there's a lack of freedom that we're experiencing. When, when we talk about freedom, what we're talking about is, is this. Is Ephesians 1.18. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he's called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So Paul gives us this picture when you are walking revelation. Again, not this spooky thing, not his feeling, but when you're intimately knowing God and knowing how to apply what he's spoken to you through the scriptures, through his spirit, what starts to happen? Light happens to your spirit. You can see again. And scripture makes it so clear that when we think of darkness, we think of sin. We think of bondage, but it's also those things that are restricting us from walking in freedom. So I want to say freedom is this. 
Freedom is living the way God's designed for us originally and has redeemed for us in Christ. God has a has a original design for our lives. He knows how he wants us to live in him. And through Jesus, we've been redeemed, but now we have to learn how to walk that out in him. You can't, you can't earn your freedom. You can't do any of those things, but you receive it in Jesus through salvation, and then you got to learn how to, how to walk it out. So to, to tackle the topic of freedom is a pretty big topic, but I'm going to be very specific today, and I want us to talk about the subject of shame, how we can break free from the power of shame. Now, when I say that word, don't check out right now. You know, a lot of times when we hear something like this, we're like, man, that may, that's not for me. Can I make you a promise right now? It's probably not what you think. Um, it's not just for your neighbor sitting next to you. It's not just for the person that you're living with. It's not for the person that you've been praying for for 20 years now. We all need freedom in our lives. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Jackie, who was a pioneer and a blazer um, to, to bring freedom in, into our church. So I'm grateful for her. Because I personally, I've personally been affected um, by her testimony, by her life. But can I tell you that freedom, especially when it comes to shame, it's a pretty universal thing. And so it might be a timely word for you. It might help you to understand things maybe from the past. But I do believe God's word never goes void. And so we're even talking about shame today. Now, I would love to give some context of what shame really is. I think a lot of times we can confuse it with guilt. Let me tell you what guilt is. Guilt is a response to your behavior. Now, good, guilt isn't good. It's not bad. It's just, it can be both. It's not, it's not one or the other. I'll, I'll give you an example. Let me preface this to say, what I'm about to tell you, is, it is way out of my character, okay? So when I was a lot younger, little boy, um, still living in Southern California, I was in the kids' ministry because I was a kid, and there was a Christmas play. And again, I never do this, by the way, but uh, we were rehearsing for a Christmas recital, something like that. I thought, man, when my friend sits down, I'm going to pull the chair. Why, why wouldn't I do that, right? What's the worst that can happen? He's going to fall on his butt. No big deal. It just so happened that one time I pulled his chair out, his head has hit a very random part of the chair. He gets a mini concussion. Um, one year, pastors gets kicked out of the Christmas recital. Um, I felt guilty. <laughs> I felt guilty that day. And you know, I should have because that was the wrong thing to do. And so guilt isn't a bad thing, but guilt will either lead to two responses. Guilt can lead to an unhealthy condemnation or a healthy conviction. This is very important to understand is that guilt, it can lead to an unhealthy condemnation. Condemnation being that there's no way for you to be redeemed. There's no way for you to be forgiven. What's done is done, and the, the, the sentence is out, the verdict is out, and you are just far from God. That's just what it is. Can I, can I just tell you I'm so grateful for Romans 8.1. It says that, therefore, those that are in Christ, there's no condemnation at all. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. Some of us, we have just been experiencing so much condemnation, and it's like, no, in Jesus, there's no condemnation. Condemnation is just from the enemy. In fact, when we feel these things, it should lead to a healthy conviction. Conviction is, a, is such a gift from the Lord. The Holy Spirit uses conviction to actually change us, transform us. 
And so the areas of our lives where, where we are not living out God's best, God doesn't want to shame us. He wants to redeem us, but he uses the Holy Spirit to convict us, to show us, man, God has a way better life for us than, than how we're choosing. So guilt is about what we're doing, and it can lead to these two things. Shame is, shame is different, though. Shame is a response to, to who or what you perceive yourself to be. Guilt is more about your behavior, is more about the external, or it can be. It's about, it's about your behavior. Shame is more about you. Guilt is about something you did wrong. Shame is about, no, you're what's wrong. You're, you're the problem. That there is an internal deficiency in you that can't be solved, that can't be fixed. You are the problem. To make it a little more practical, think about, you know, if you've been in a, um, a bad relationship, you did some bad things, they did some bad things, guilt would say after that relationship, man, I made some wrong choices, I did some things I, I regretted, um, I don't feel good about that. Shame would say, I am the wrong thing, I am the wrong choice, and no matter what relationship I go into, it's probably not going to work out, and not just because I feel guilty, but because... I'm in the relationship. I feel shameful right now. And so shame is such a subtle thing that can influence many areas of our lives. I, I want to give us some context, if I can, in really understanding what this is. Because a lot of times we can't identify shame because we feel like it's, it's a very external thing, but it's a very internal thing. I'll give you an example. So um, for those that you know know me at a more of a deeper level, you know I'm just naturally a focused person, for better or worse. And when I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone. You can ask our staff, like, you know, if, if we're uh, at our offices, like, during the week. Um, you could be talking to me, and I'm not ignoring you. I'm just in the zone. I literally, I just don't hear you right now. Probably the worst thing that could ever happen to me was noise-canceling headphones. Because I already have noise-canceling ears. So I feel like, not, and not selective hearing, I don't want you to hear the wrong thing, but I just, when I'm in the zone, I'm, I'm in the zone, sorry. And so, um, but the beautiful part about noise-canceling headphones is that it's that beautiful thing where it cancels out everything that you don't want to hear, and then it just gets you in the place that only the things that you want to hear. And I think shame could be the same way, where it cancels out the things that God is trying to speak to us. He's trying to bring life, and he's trying to bring his word. He wants to speak to those areas that, that are hard, that are tough, but shame won't allow us to hear the voice of God, or we'll hear it, but it's distorted, and, and, and it will come in ways where God is good, but I'm terrible. God is incredible, but I'll never live up. That is shame, and shame distorts how we hear the Lord. Let me, let me kind of deepen this definition, okay? Shame often involves loss or perceived loss that generates pain. Here's, here's the big thing with this, is that typically we think of these big moments, as in it could be a divorce, it could be a death, um, which those are very traumatic. So I'm not saying that those, those are very much, but it's often the small things that maybe wouldn't affect somebody else, but we believe the lie about ourselves, about the Lord, that the enemy took and, and, and he manipulated. It could be that possibly, I'm throwing an example, 
you were supposed to be picked up at school one day, but your, one of your parents forgot. If that happened to you last week, your, your kid's cool, okay? I'm just kind of throwing out as a random example. You're like, oh, God, I did that yesterday. If that happened, the enemy can put something in maybe your son or daughter's, you know, head like, man, like, I guess my parents just don't care about me. I wonder if, I, if, I, if I'm worth anything. It could be the smallest of things. So I say that is don't rationalize yourself out of this message. Don't rationalize yourself out of something the Lord wants to speak to you today because it could be the smallest of things. Part of the reason why we don't um, walk in freedom in particular areas is because we're our filter and not the Holy Spirit. And so when we filter our things, um, we are not the best filter. We literally need to put the gospel on, the filter of the gospel on, so we can see things clearly. And so shame, what it does, it, it, it generates pain. And so when you are living in, in shame, and again, it, it's a spectrum. It's not like either you have shame or you don't. It, it's a wide spectrum, like our freedom. And so we won't be fully free until, at least experientially, until we're face-to-face with Jesus. But for those that are just really dealing with shame, and I'm going to share part of my story, too. Um, I'm not talking about theory. Like, I'm talking about, gosh, God has redeemed me from shame, and I'm still working down the journey. That what, what can happen is that, you know, we, we can have these uh, moments where it, they seem so small, but they have such a, a huge impact on us. And so it can, it can generate pain in our lives. And so, so what happens? Shame will lead to deception, and deception will cause us to deny truth in our feelings. Let me unpack this, okay? Just, you know, let me unpack this. So shame will lead us to deception, meaning that when something is so hard and we, we feel like we can't deal with it, we will deceive ourselves and we'll live in denial, Denial can happen in, in, in many ways, but I'll give you two big ones. One is we just rationalize it. It's not a big deal. Super hard. You know, like what, what, what's happened at home, what's happened with myself, what's happened, it's fine. And we just don't let it, we just, we just rationalize it. Or on the flip side, we just deny it even happened. That never happened. No, no, that, that, that could never be. And so what happens is we're not trying to deny it, but because the feelings are so deep and hard, we deny what's happening, which causes us to deny truth, which means that we can't take responsibility for it. And we know, oh, I love what um, the scripture says, is that when Jesus said that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. We can't know the truth if we're in denial. So what happens is we'll deny truth, which will in turn, this is, this is going to set somebody free today. It's going to deny our feelings. One of the things that I wish I understood, maybe you too, is that, you know, when something's so hard, you just can't turn off one emotion. When you turn off one emotion, you got to turn off all your emotions. Some of us, and this, and this, is, this is me, is I didn't realize how I was dealing with shame because I never felt shame. But I was driven by it. And I was pushed by it. There was things where I'm like, I don't want to feel this or do this, but... But I didn't know it was really shame I was feeling. So you turn one emotion off, you got to turn all of them. None of us say we're going to do that, but out of, man, because we're hurting, we're, we're scared, we're experiencing pain, we just, we shut it off. But what happens is then God can't come be the source and actually alleviate that pain. And so what happens is it leads to deception, it causes us to deny truth, and then we step down our feelings, and then we will do whatever it takes 
not to tap into that shame. You know, I didn't realize until, um, you know, growing up and maturing more and going to counseling, Christ-centered counseling, that there was actually more than four, emotion, uh, four emotions. Do you guys know that? I thought, man, I could be happy and sad and is, is hungry an emotion because I had that emotion a lot. Um, and that's pretty much all I felt. But then I, <laughs> but then I realized, have you guys seen, oh, I forgot to put it up here, but the, have you guys seen those uh, feelings wheels? Okay, some, thank you. Made me feel better. Okay. Um, so you start with like happy, sad. Oh, sad goes into like um, shame. Oh, shame goes into embarrassed. I'm not just having a bad day. I'm feeling embarrassed. And that's been so helpful for me with the Holy Spirit. Like, God, what am I feeling right now? I mean, just kind of give you a little bit more personal on mine is that I would feel things or, I, yeah, I, I would feel things, but I wouldn't know what they meant. I get annoyed, frustrated about it. So then I would just, whatever, like move on. But the problem was the thing that I was feeling, that didn't move on. I did, but that didn't. And then it would manifest. And so when it comes with shame, we just can't say, or even our freedom, well, I just don't feel this way or that way. You got to allow Jesus to be your filter and the Holy Spirit. And so we got to be careful when we, um, when we turn one emotion off, we turn them all up. And so what I want to do is I want to take us through part of the story of Genesis. Speaking of original design, I want to take us back to the beginning and how we see the four um, universal emotions of how shame goes through, okay? So, I'll, and I'll let out the big secret. Shame, hiding, fear, and blame, okay? We are going somewhere, okay? And it's going to get happier, I promise. But this is really important because God wants to bring freedom, but we got to be able to tap in those things that are a little bit hard, okay? So, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Again, give some context. The Lord's given Adam and Eve everything they could ever want, including himself, which is the best part. We told him, here's the one tree you can't eat. They ate it. We know that. And here's the result. Verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed up fig leaves together to cover themselves. What we see in this passage is the first act of religion, meaning that Adam and Eve, they sin, right? That was, that was the original sin of, of Adam and Eve. But the first fruit of sin was what? They suddenly felt shame. They're like, oh, I'm naked. You're naked. This shouldn't be happening right now. They felt shame. Shame is a fruit of the original sin. And, 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 and this is a big deal because sin distorts how we see God, but shame distorts how we see ourselves. Meaning that the reason why Adam and Eve ate that fruit, because one, they weren't seeing God the right way. They allowed the enemy to distort how they were seeing him. Oh, God's holding back on me. God is doing this. So then that led to sin. But now shame, they looked at themselves and they, they, they felt what? They felt shame. Shame is a distortion of how we see ourselves. Let me give you an example of how, of how subtle shame is. 
where you could have told Adam and Eve right now, you guys are incomplete, you guys are missing, there's something wrong with you. And is there some truth in there? Absolutely. They're sinners. They need a Savior now. They need a perfect Savior to come and, and to redeem them. But does that happen um, on their own? No, they need a Savior. But that gap inside of them, that shame, it can be redeemed. But they do need a Savior now. So you see how shame works? It's like, man, you're, you are incomplete, which is true without God. But it's not your life sentence at the same time. It's very subtle. So we see shame. Verse 8 through 9. When the cool evening breeze was blowing. The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I love that. And you guys know, when you guys have read this before, right? If God is God, does he need to ask where somebody is? Like, if God is really God, right? It's like you know, being me, me being a dad, and I'm asking where my oldest is, Selah. Selah, where are you? I know where that girl is. Our, our house isn't that big. She's super loud. Anyways, I know exactly where she is. I love that energy. But I'm asking, not like, hey, where are you? But I'm going to say, hey, where are you at, girl? Where's your heart right now? What are you doing? Come over here. Come talk to me. And we see that. With the presence of God, with the Lord, he's walking in the garden. What a beautiful picture. But now because of sin and now because of shame, what's happening? Now Adam and Eve are hiding from the Lord. They're trying to protect themselves. Now hiding from God can look like a variety of things. But let me give you a couple um, big examples that I see. Is one, we can hide behind obsessive performance where we can perform for people. We can perform for our boss. We can perform um, in, 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 in our marriage, in our relationships. And, and here's kind of like the, the interesting part about that. Scripture makes it clear that we should work into the Lord, have a great work ethic. But if our motive is to prove ourselves, if our motive is like, man, like I want to make sure people see me a certain way, then maybe shame could be the driving force for your obsessive performance. And for some of us, it's like, man, I just don't understand it. Like, I'm working hard, and like from night and day, and I'm trying to get this promotion, and that's great. Have a great work ethic. But I think for some of us, we've thought maybe the solution is balance. Or maybe even the solution is to have better rhythms. And we are all for rhythms here, absolutely. But a rhythm won't root out shame if shame is really there. We need the Holy Spirit to expose shame, we need to repent of that um, sin and have Jesus give us the truth and love us and redeem us and to bring life into those areas. And so I'm not saying performance is, is all shame, but if we're not careful, it could be a driver. It could be the energy towards it. For some of us, it could be striving for perfection where, man, literally we're just control freaks. We just we have a way of how things should be and we want them. And I am a I am a recovering control freak, absolutely. In fact, you can hear my wife laughing; she knows it. Um, like, man, I like things a certain way. I'm a very specific person. Um, a lot of the tests that I've taken, personality test wise, they say, you know, I know I know I'm not always right, but it feels like I'm always right. And so, and so, it doesn't mean if you're controlling that you're living in shame. But it could mean potentially shame is driving that control. Because 
with, with, with control and perfection. You've got to keep everything together. Because if one ball drops and someone sees over that force field that you're trying to put up, they see that I'll have it all together. And then it gets into that shame aspect. Well, if we're not careful, we can allow the walls of pride to come up. And we need Jesus to take down those walls of pride. And we can't hide behind those things. For some of us, we hide in relationships where when it comes from shame, we are desperately wanting love and acceptance, especially because we don't feel like we, can, we, we deserve it. But if we're not careful, we can use relationships as a way to medicate our shame. Like, I need, I, I, I need this from you. And with shame, we can't properly relate to that other person or to people because we feel there's a deficiency inside of us. So hiding. I'm spending a lot of time here. Because a lot of times when we're hiding, we don't really realize we're hiding until we're exposed, which is the next part. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. We see fear now. We go from shame to hiding to, to fear. You guys ever have, like, your phone ring? You look at, like, the phone, you're like, oh, man, I want to talk to this person, right? You pick it up. But then that one person calls, you're like, oh, yeah, no, nah, I don't want to talk to you, right? <laughs> Put it right back. Okay, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's resonating. Okay, good. But then maybe there's times when you pick up your phone, you're like, ooh, anxiety. I don't, I don't know if I want to take this call. Like, I, ooh, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't like these feelings. And we see that picture with Adam and Eve. It's almost as like God's calling them. There's shame, there's, there's hiding, but now there's fear, like, ooh, God's calling me, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I, if I, if I want to move towards him right now. I don't know if I want to pursue him right now. And then we see, lastly, who told you you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat? <laughs> the man replied, it was the woman you gave me, who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Gentlemen, we got to talk. It was the woman who gave it to me. That's another message right there. Verse 13. And the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? Man, the serpent deceived me. That's who I ate it. So the man says the woman, the woman says the devil. The devil did it for me, right? And so what could have been easily an opportunity for them to take responsibility, take ownership, what do they do? They, They blamed and, and, and this is where we can get trapped so much in shame, where we can handle things at a very surface level. And it's like, I just, I'm not taking ownership. I'm, I don't want to blame this person, but I feel like I, I, I want to blame this person. Really the driving force behind that blame, not all the times, but could be, could be shame. And so without owning our own pain or situation, our problems can never be resolved and we are unable to walk in freedom. Think if I were to go to your house today and I were to put 20 huge, obnoxious rocks in your front lawn. And you're like, well, I, I like that Chris guy, but he's a little off. And uh, I'm not sure why he did that. And you're right, you're not in denial. That would be off, you know, if, if I were to do that. But you would have probably either two choices. Still think that I'm off, but actually get the equipment and move those rocks somewhere else where you wanted them. 
Or, or just get rid of them. Or, hey, make some money. Marketplace, let's go. Or you could just be like, ah, that's annoying. That's frustrating. Deny the rocks are even there and just keep living with those rocks there your whole life. And that's the same thing with freedom is that whether things have been done to you or things that, are, things that you've done to yourself, we got to take responsibility for. And often... Often shame will get, it feel like it's getting worse than it's getting better because we have to press into feelings that we haven't been wanting to feel for a very long time. But let me encourage you right now is that Jesus wants to redeem us from our shame and that we don't have to live in that place. Is that through truth and through the gospel and through us actually giving Jesus access, he can redeem those spots. And I want to I wanna give a little more personal story for me. So I've shared this before, but let me share parts of it again. So, you know, growing up, uh, I, was, I was pretty introverted. I still am. Uh, I tell people in, uh, in Connect class, I am a learned extrovert. And so, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help some, uh, some introverts right now. An introvert doesn't mean you don't like people. It just means you like, you get your energy by being by yourself. Now, if you don't like people, that's between you and Jesus. I don't know what to tell you there. Okay, that, that is a freedom issue, but I get my energy by being by myself, and I, I, I unashamedly look forward to it. And so, but, but growing up, I just thought, man, I'm just, I'm just shy. Um, I'm just quiet. Um, I, I, I would have a hard time looking people in the eyes when I would talk to them. Um, ordering food was like asking me to jump off a cliff. I'm like, I just, I'm just not going to eat. I'm going to purposely fast because I'm not going to order food right now. And you guys have probably heard this too. Like being in uh, eighth grade, middle school, I was, in, I, I was in a speech class. All I had to do was give a speech. It could be the worst speech I would have got to see. I was so stuck in fear that I'm like, I'm not giving the speech. I was the only kid that failed that class. And so growing up, there was some untangling that had to be done. There was, okay, yes, you have to, this is your personality. God's wired you this way. That's okay. Um, we have to untangle that. There's some parts. Man, there, there, there could have been some learned skills where I thank God for my dad because he forced me at 14 to get a job at a grocery store. Being a bagger, you had to talk to everybody. So, like, some of it was personality. Some of it was learned skills. But I didn't really even re- I didn't have the language to, to, to actually understand that it was actually shame that was making me reject myself before others would reject me. Wow. I, would, I would just put myself down. No, I just, you know, they're not going to see me this way. But, but here's the part, is I would never think that, but it was, it was that overwhelming sense of the feeling and the drivenness that, that shame does. And one of the worst things could, could, could have happened to me uh, growing up and then becoming an adult was there were some things I realized I was actually decent in, that I was good in, and people started praising me for it. And so there was parts of my life where, man, I just, I felt so low and I felt so like, you know, just down. Um, but then I actually got good at some things and it was like, wow, that became my identity. Now I'm the man. Now I'm, now, now I'm amazing. And then you mix in, now I love Jesus and now I'm serving him and I'm in ministry. And now it's like, man, it's like, I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm doing this for people. I'm kind of, I'm kind of doing this for myself too, in a way. It just got convoluted. I remember first preaching I loved it and I hated it. I loved it because I felt like I was really serving God. But then I hated it because all the 
feelings that would come to it. And back then, I just thought, man, this is stress, this is anxiety. I didn't realize how much shame was actually involved. Where, man, when I, when I and, and, and I don't even know what this means, but when I preached a good sermon, I felt like the man, let's go. Like, I'm a gift from heaven, you're welcome. <laughs> but then I would preach, again, I don't know what this means, a bad message, and I'd feel like garbage. And I would be in the dumps of my heart for like a week, and it was like, it just wasn't healthy at all. And since then, I've, I've been able to receive language for it, words, um, truth, and kind of understanding that. But this, but this was years ago when I was youth pastor um, uh, prior to Fountain. And I remember I was going up to a winter retreat for our youth. And I was, again, I was sick to my stomach. I was so excited, full of faith. But I was also like, oh, gosh, like, here we go again. I can't do this. This is terrible. Like, what if I bomb it? It's all my fault. All these things, right? Terrible things to think. And um, I just remember the Lord just speaking to me. And I was really pressing. I was praying. I remember the Lord, and he, he spoke this to me. This was like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And I still pray this. I actually pray this today still, is that, God, I, I don't want to prove myself, but I just want to pour myself out. That when, when, when you're dealing with shame, Everything is a test of your worth. Everything is a test of your value. And so, my God, like, for this retreat, I'm not here to prove myself. I I know who I am in you. I know what you see in me. I know who you are. I'm just here to pour myself out, give myself away. This is why I'm here. And I got to tell you, like, that is part of the solution when it comes to shame. You're not there to prove yourself because God has proven himself to you in Jesus. And he's taken care of the biggest proven ground, which is sin. He solved that, and now you're his son and daughter. And so when it comes to shame, um, we have to take that approach of, God, what do you want to do? What are you speaking to me? So what, what I want to do for our Monday morning is, and I, I was wrestling through this because I want to be practical, but I don't want to give a formula because it's so much more than a formula. But I do want to give you a posture of your heart, okay? Proverbs 20, 21, 2 says this. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Meaning, again, the Holy Spirit through Scripture needs to be your filter. You need to give Jesus access to your heart. Those walls of insecurity and pride and fear and shame, those will only come down if we allow God to search our hearts. In fact, David tells us how to do this in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous thing in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This part of our relationship with God is so hard, but it's so easy to do. God, show me what I'm missing right now. God, what what is inside of my heart that you want to speak to right now? Maybe even ask the question, Jesus, is there a lie that I'm believing right now? And I'm telling you, if you give him space, he'll speak to you. I, I do want to give us one specific question as we close. Is what areas of my heart and life am I hiding from Jesus and others? If you feel like, man, this is timely for me. I'm wrestling right now. Ask the Lord that question. Are there any areas of my heart and my life? I'm just, I feel like I'm kind of hiding right now. Maybe there's parts of performance, relationships, pressure you feel, perfectionism. Ask the Lord, Lord, what is underneath and driving that? Because here's what what will happen. The Lord will show you that, 
He will give you the opportunity to repent of that, the gift of that, and then he will replace that with something beautiful. What's true, what's admirable, what's pure, and he will give you the grace to actually not just overcome that, but to move forward. And so shame is not a sentence at all. And God can bring us out of hiding. Guilt is something what we do. Shame is something that we think of ourselves, but we don't have to live in shame. Through the gospel, through the truth, through his spirit, we can be set free. But we have to lean into the pain. It's almost like, um, I'll close with this. This was like, this was like a, uh, I don't know, a year ago. And I see, again, my oldest daughter, Sailor, trying to try do a couple push-ups, maybe just one push-up. And she tried it once and she gave up. She's like, this is too hard. And then, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to have like a good dad coaching moment. Come on, baby. Not all, not all things in life are easy, but you can do it. And she's like, okay. And then she walked away. And I was like, there goes my moment. <laughs> Don't walk away from maybe something God is asking you to press into right now. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God. Just because it's difficult right now doesn't mean the Holy Spirit isn't working. And for some of us, God is, he's wanting to touch those emotions that we've just been pushing and pushing down. And if you allow our perfect and good father to touch those things, he's trustworthy. He'll take care of you and he'll shepherd you well. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this moment, God. God, I thank you, Lord, that freedom's already been purchased. It's already been uh, bought by your blood. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to receive it today and also how to live it out, Lord. God, I pray that shame would fall in the name of Jesus. I declare, Lord, that those, God, that have been walking, God, in the energy, the shackles, God, in the drivenness of shame, God, it would, it would fall in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, the areas, God, that, Lord, that we've been hiding, Lord, that, God, that you would help us to come out of denial, denial about our performance, denial of relationships, God. Help us to see what we're doing, God, because I know, Lord, you won't shame us, but you're going to grace us. So, God, give us, God, that revelation, God, of who you are, what you want to do, and that, God, that we would walk out of this place, God, as changed and transformed people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You've got some praise right now at church. Come on. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.